With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The podcast with Dan Bardell. The host Dan Bardell joined by the Athletics Jacob Tanswell this week as Greg is on holiday. Told me it was a family holiday and then I saw videos of him playing golf earlier on. So yeah, great family holiday for Greg. First first family holiday all all together since, since he's become a dad. Jacob, did you have a good Christmas and New Year? I did, yeah, thank you. It's a lot of travelling uh, from Birmingham back to home, up to Manchester on Boxing Day, but um, it's been good, and I think this is the first week where I'm not having to travel anywhere, so yeah, a nice bit of downtime. Travel to the pub with me as well, <laughs> we just just before Christmas, we had a, had a little get-together, a, a Christmas dinner, if you will. Lovely few drinks as well, After we changed location a few times, but it was a good, good yeah. pub, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't help that I got the time wrong as well. So you went to the initial location half an hour before me because I got the time wrong and said to me that it was dead. So we went somewhere else and we had a lovely time, a lovely little chat about Villa, which is what we're going to do now. We will come on to the FA Cup game later and I did put a tweet out as well asking for some questions. There was plenty of those coming for Jacob and myself, probably more Jacob if I'm being honest with you. So we'll get to them later on in the podcast. Just before we get going, the show is sponsored by Luke Roper. If you've got some money for Christmas, if you want to, use the discount code sorry tvv20 you'll get 20% off everything on the luke roper website and thanks to luke as well because they were kind enough to send me some clothes before my sky sports news stint so always appreciated luke roper i did see luke actually at the last game at burnley as well he's doing doing well got himself to villa park so it's always great to see luke roper jacob transfers very difficult to discuss transfers with Villa. Everything you say gets jumped on. I said I didn't think we needed any players a month or so ago. And then every day, I think I get a tweet reminding me of that fact. If, if a game starts to go badly at any point, I get a tweet saying, I still think that we don't need any any players. My understanding is that I don't think Villa will be particularly active from speaking to people. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maybe a couple of outgoings might lead to Villa changing their stance, but are you the same? Are you hearing the same things as me that it doesn't feel like Villa are going to be massively active this January? Yeah, I, I think so, Dan. I think it's one of those cases where they'll look, you know, they'll they'll chat between uh, Emery, his power triangle, um, you know, the owners as well, and they can see if there's any great opportunities there. But you know, they're tight on FFP, but also they've got a really good squad, like like you said a month ago. Um, and they, Emery doesn't bring anyone in just to make up the numbers. They have to challenge that starting eleven. Um, and I don't know. If, I don't think they've got the money to do that. Um, obviously, they've got their targets, and as you say. I think outgoings could change things. You know, we'll come on to these players, but the players that have been featuring regularly or more recently, you know, Duran, then Donka, you know, if these players go, then they would probably have to replace them. It's quite, it's quite obvious. But yeah, I think it'd be quite a quiet um, window in terms of incomings. But I think the more interesting part will be outgoings. Yeah, but I mean, on the outgoings, is there any word that anyone is close to leaving or that anyone may be, may be leaving? Duran's obviously the big one, isn't he? He played in the yeah. FA Cup at the weekend. We know there's been some some off-the-field issues. Villa are a little bit quiet about it, but there is rumours swirling around. I mean, the Milan link felt very much like an agent plant to me, and, you know, that's something that happens a lot yeah. in, in the football world, agents planting stories to, to certain outlets. But is that something that, that's close uh, there's nothing close in terms of first team players. I think one of the priorities going into the, the month was to get you know, the younger lads out out on loan, and or you know, in the case of, of one to to sell permanently to get you know to help with FFP and also you know, to help their own careers as well. So I think that's been the main focus. Um, but there's nothing close in terms of first team France. Obviously, Dur- John Duran. You know, I put a tweet out the other day. He's obviously had a couple of off field issues. That you know, there's a few doubts possibly about. He's not always the, the most uh, focus. He can has had a few issues in terms of adapting to a new country, um, his discipline, his application, things like that. And Emery's talked about it at press conferences before. Um, but the, the the thing with John Duran is quite a catch twenty two is that he's a precocious talent. You know, on the pitch, he, he's impactful, isn't he? When he comes off the bench, he's either mm. absolutely he makes scores, he wins penalties, or you see the other petulant side of him where he could get easily sent off in, in a couple of games. But he makes an impact. He's a really good. Um, striker but obviously um he has he will have to mature and grow up um it's just a case of whether Emery sees him as a as a reliable enough striker right now to be uh Ollie Watkins deputy or the fact that maybe he's a little bit more there's a few more issues that then he, he's currently worth and that means you know a loan or, or a permanent move elsewhere Reading between the lines and, and speaking to, to to other people, it, it feels like you know Durani's the number nine for, for Colombia. I think he's their their main striker. He's got a big money move, and it was a lot of money. Villa paid for him a year ago. He's had a year at, at Villa now. Does he almost feel like he's not perhaps getting as many opportunities as he would like? But then it, it works both ways, doesn't it? Because if he's not doing the stuff in training, and we know there's been issues around that then he isn't going to get the football. There was a spell earlier on in the season where he, he disappeared from the bench for a few weeks. And again, this is me purely reading between the lines. I felt like that was linked to the training stuff. He's, he has had injuries, but again, you could also say that the injuries are you know, sometimes as a result of his professionalism and his, and his discipline in terms of recovering from, from those injuries. Um, obviously, he wants to play a lot of games, but at the same time, he's here as a just turned 20 You know, last month. Ollie Watkins is... You know, one of the best strikers in the Premier League. He's not going to play every game. You know, John Duran has to focus on what he's doing now, which is he's coming on. I think he's come on twenty-five times or something. You know, since he's come, it's quite you know the most out of any Premier League player. Um, so he's got a good role there. He's learning under Unai Emery. But the, the thing that Emery wants is he wants malleable players, players that will listen to who, who heed his methods, who are, aren't going to kick up a fuss. You know, if they have to sit on a bench or have to listen to him talk for an hour and fifteen minutes and. Uh, analysis sessions um, and it's something that John Duran needs to, needs to focus on of course he's only a young lad moves you know far away from home as well so that's something getting used to and he's got you know probably having more money more influence more people coming to him than ever before and something that he's probably not ever been used to or prepared for um, but the case fact for him now is what Emery and Emery's closest confidence say is that they keep reminding they've 
he's got to start focusing and start you know being consistent and as you say about the injuries that little flare-up he had in October time when he was out for a few months a few weeks wasn't a result of him being consistent and you know really the opportunities are there he's playing for a club that yeah. are you know, chasing at the moment, we can say chasing, you know, a Premier League challenge at the moment. At the very least, it looks like Villa will be competing for a Champions League place at the, at the back end of the season. He's playing behind a really, really good striker. Like you say, it's not like he isn't getting minutes. You know, the, the opportunities are there. And when the Conference League kicks off again, I'm sure he'll get starts in, in, in that competition. But at the moment, I kind of feel that if Watkins was to get injured and got, you know, let's fingers crossed, touch wood, let's do everything that we need to do there, that, that, that doesn't happen. I feel like Duran, at the moment, the way he is, may not get the starts in the league, may not be trusted. No, I, don't, I completely agree with you. But at the same time, you look at Duran, he, he, Emery's now trusting him to play alongside Watkins when Villa are near the chase again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's made an impact in that. So I, I don't. I think what he's doing right now, he's ahead of development. I, I don't think there's a pay, rush for him. It just comes back from, to his mentality, and you know, I'm sure, you know, not probably not being Emery, uh, he's obviously involved in all things football and those that are willing to work with him. But Damian Villagani, you know, the guy, the, the conduit between the dressing room and agents um, and the management staff, he would have spoken to Duran, he would have spoken to the agents, um, and and tried to reassure him, but try to sort out the issues as well. It's a similar to thing to Bertrand Traore, who is always injured for club, but yet he plays for Burkino Faso, so. Yeah, if you said right now, if Ollie Watkins was injured, I imagine that Moussa Diaby and, and Leon Bailey would be the, the, the front two as split strikers, which you know would probably infuriate John Duran a lot more. I don't think he will leave this month, but he's unpredictable on the pitch, off the pitch as well. So we'll have, we'll have to see. What about Clement Longley? I know you've, you've been writing about him after after the Middlesbrough game. He's obviously appeared more in recent times because Paul Torres is injured. But if Paul Torres hadn't got injured, I'm not sure we would have seen as much of him. Of course, he'd have probably started at the weekend against Middlesbrough. He's picked up more, more football recently than, than he had been getting. But it, it sounds like, again, from, from reading your article, that Barcelona aren't massively happy and that the player isn't massively happy either. But Villa and Unai Emery are because, essentially, he's doing what we brought him in to do. Yeah, exactly. And probably Paul Torres injuries come at a good time in a way for, for Villa because it shows that actually they can give Long some game time they can probably just calm down the concerns from Barcelona who will probably ha- want to sell him who will definitely want to sell him in the summer try and get some money for him because they can't keep paying his wages for another no, two years um, and the same for Longley as well to, to pacify him in a way because he went 13 straight Premier League games without you know without playing a minute and it's pretty feasible that if Powell didn't get injured he still wouldn't play now Um He's on a lot of money, but at the same time, Emery and Villa, they made a decision once Mings was injured that they're prepared to pay that money because they have to have two left-footed centre-backs. Um, if they don't have two left-footed centre-backs, for Emery, he feels that's a real real issue because if Powell gets injured, then that completely changes the whole dynamic of the way Villa build up from the back. Um, so, And right now, if you say that em- Longley was to leave, who is who was another left-footed centre-back on the market that they can get? You know, no. Courtney House, you can say him, but he's a long way away from being even fit. And, you know, I think the plan is for him to go, go out on loan. Um, so, yeah, I think for Longley, it's just about playing. But I don't know if he's taking his chance. And I think there could be a few issues towards the end of the month when he's probably back on the bench and Powell's playing again. He's been a big miss as well, hasn't, hasn't he, Powell? You know, he's fast becoming one of my favourite players. And I was really starting to notice over the last month or so how good he, he is. And then just as you're noticing those things and realising he's a, he's a key cog, he's, he's taken out with injury and... Not only is it affected Villa defensively, but it's actually affected us massively in possession and and going forward. We've been nowhere near as good on the ball without Paul Torres. No, Longley's a decent player on the ball. Yeah. I think he, you know, he made a few good. He's good at a few good diagonals. I think he's progressed the ball quite well. I think he ranks in the top two percent of of centre backs in Europe for for progressive passes. He's he's decent at that, but uh, I think especially against a low block as well. I remember that Longley was used to being at Barcelona, with a bigger pitch, better, you know number 10s getting involved, you know, always trying to find Messi um, when he was playing. I think now he's playing in a team against low blocks, you know, increasingly so Burnley, Middlesbrough, where it's a real struggle for him to um, to progress the ball and to even assert his dominance. And the problem with Longley, I see, is I don't think he's got one standout strength. Like, he's good at everything or good at most things, but he doesn't jump out at me. So as soon as I saw Pau Torres, I thought, well, this player's brilliant at progressing it. You know, every yeah. concert is recovery pace. Um, if you want to say Diogo Carlos, you could say his stature, you know, his power. With Longley, you think, you know, he's a good defender, but he's pretty easy to let leave out. He's quite, he's quite the easy decision, isn't he? 
Um, and, that, and that's the issue for him, fundamentally. Yeah, Dendonka as well. He's, you know, I think maybe Villa got a good offer for Dendonka that they may accept it, but they'd of course have to bring in a replacement for him as well because he's the fourth, fifth central midfielder at the moment. But again, he's been needed and he's playing games. Yeah, I, I, I think there's interest from sides in Europe, um, probably outside the top five leagues in Dendonka. Um, and I think Villa will be open to selling. They're open to selling him in the summer. I know he's featured a little bit more, but I, I do think they could get by without him. You, know, you could how you could rearrange certain centre field if you're really short. You could have John McGinn in there sometimes. Tim's got going to be coming back. I think he, the plan is for him to stay till in the season as well. Um, and do you not think he should have started at the weekend? Yeah, I, I, I do. Not just because he's obviously a younger lad and it's probably better in terms of long term, but also he's different to Dendonk and Kamara. I felt they were quite. I don't. I thought Kamara was good, but they just basically two same players. Um, and they do they operate in the same area, doing the same job. So I would like to see him play. Um, and I think that's probably a question, probably a broader question, as in, does Emery trust these younger lads to come in and start these games, a bar Jacob Ramsey? Let's talk a little bit more about incomings then, Jacob. We've, we've just discussed that it's, it's probably not going to be a major January for Villa. And we saw last January as, as well, you know, that Emery won't rush things. He, it doesn't feel to me like he's a massive fan of the, of the January market. But if something was to come up like Moreno, who he thinks can improve things, he'd probably be given the licence to, to do it. Maybe a clever loan if, if, if something came up there. Now, Villa will be linked with a ton of players, as, as they always are. And people will do podcasts on Villa linked with so and so. Where would he fit in the side? Blah blah blah. But realistically, it's it's, it's a load of rubbish. Because another thing, and I find this in the in the transfer window. Obviously, the bulk of my media work comes within the, the transfer window. So I've been at Talksport last week. I've been at, at Sky Sports News last week, and we'll be th- through the month. And you've covered other teams. Villa are notoriously difficult to get information out of. If you're getting information out about Villa, you're probably not going to the club. You're probably going to, to agents and speaking to them, but. The agents' interests are very rarely with the club that, that we're interested in, Aston Villa. They'll be at the interest of the players that, that they're talking about. So, first of all, from you know from, from the Villa side and you trying trying to cover it, it's hard, isn't it? People always think, why, why didn't we never know what's going on about Villa? But you've you've covered different teams. Can you just explain to me and explain to the listeners the difference between covering Villa in a transfer window to covering Southampton in the Premier League last season, for example? Yeah. It's a strain for a, a few reasons, really. I think what Villa do is, is, is great in terms of how they operate and things like that, especially now with Emery here, who's got his Spanish circle who keep everything uh, also in-house. They've got a lot of trust between them. I think the clubs I've covered, obviously, I've covered Slampton. You'll remember that where Villa and Southampton are, it's completely two different ends of the spectrum. It was a very unhappy time at Southampton, very fragmented, where Villa's completely different. And you look at the likes of Villa, but also Liverpool, they don't tend to leak much. Arsenal, in recent times, um, when a team's doing well, when everything's happy, you don't really, you, you might hear leaks, but they're far less frequent than, you know, a Southampton were. They're or, also far less likely to be right. Yeah, and, and Manchester United as well. I think for us, for me personally, it's, it's been frustrating, but. Because a lot, I think every single um, transfer that's been, I, I've, I, I've heard about it. I'm sure, I'm sure with you, sure with you know, Greg, everyone, they've heard about it. But the way we work, you've got to get everything double sourced. And getting that yeah. second source, Dan, is, keeps me up at night. I think in the, in the summer, towards the end, uh, it was keeping me uh, late up at night. And it's, it's, it's a nightmare. There's a, even, even now, there's a few things that we're working on in terms of outgoings. And I've been trying to find this second source for about five days. So, um but it's, it's interesting. Um, I think, you know, from a football fan as well, I, I think it's it's a really good way to go for, for, for Villa. Um, I, and, I, and I don't mind it at all. No, I mean, I, look, I'm sat here claiming to be some kind of expert in the transfer world because I'm not. But obviously, I, I work in football. I, I talk about football. I'm doing it from a, a different standpoint, really, where I'm I'm not doing it as, as a journalist and giving my opinion on what transfers are going to happen I'm responding to links and what's going on and saying how players will, will fit in, what it means for that club, more giving my opinion than than giving facts. But obviously, from a Villa perspective, I speak to enough people to have a, a fairly good idea of, of what's happening around the club by speaking to all the various people in you know different roles, different places that that, that I speak to. And Villa, Villa are different, difficult. It's you know credit credit to them really because that you know remember that Danny Ings transfer. <laughs> Very few people know about knew about that, and sometimes you know you can know something like there's been things that I've known over the years but if I know something I can't come on and do a, do a podcast about it because you've almost been trusted with that information and you don't want to be the person that you know breaks that 
breaks that story, if it's going to cause problems with the, with the club, it, there's always that kind of thing to consider as well. I was at Sky last week and in the morning, you know, we go doing our roundup. So Sky the same, you know, they get a story, they speak to someone, but it needs to be second sourced. So Sky had the Felipe Anderson story. They'd obviously managed to get it second sourced by, by, by someone or near enough second sourced. But, you know, I'm sat there thinking, that's, that's, I don't see that. Just again from from speaking to people and just having a probably a deeper knowledge of Villa than than, than a lot of people, I just never thought that 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 was something that that, that was going to happen and that and that rumor has gone away. But quite often, you know, rumors will come up one day. We won't hear anything again about that for, for three weeks. You know, I, I doubt we'll hear about Felipe Anderson to Villa again. But it's just it's weird how it works, isn't it? Because everyone in the transfer world's got completely different agendas, haven't they? Yeah, they have, and, that, and that's the struggle. Um, and you probably get wiser with, with age. I think that's one thing that we do. I like at the Athletic is everything like Sky is, is, is that has to be double source. So even if an agent tells you something, you have to corroborate that with you know, one, two, three different people. And then only then you can start to think about um, putting that out. And then when we do put it out, we we will still check with, for right of replies. I don't think fans know it's right of replies with the, in, the relevant parties, the relevant clubs. So hmm. um it, it's a long process, but in a, in a way, I quite like stories about Aston Villa breaking because so, it kind of inco- speeds things on. So, like last year, um, the Zaniola thing, we thought, oh, come on, look. We, we heard something about Zaniola, but it's difficult coming out of Italy, coming out of Spain. And then uh, a journalist on Twitter might put it out there, and then you think, okay, right, we can now we can now start to accelerate. We can now go to the club. We now can now go to um, the second source, um, and it's starts to push things along a little bit but when you've got that story and it's not gone out yet or it's quite quiet and you're still trying to find a second second source it's it's probably the reason why my hairline's going far, so far back and why i look 10 years older than i actually am <laughs> but, but yeah because, you know you, you've spoke about the added element now of emery's t- tight circle this isn't me having a dig at gerard as i always do <laughs> you know, i think when things weren't going well you've got different people involved villa is secretive anyway regardless of of emery regardless of gerard regardless of of, of who the manager is but when you know and gerard's the manager and there's a, a different circle there's probably more chance of something c- coming out within that circle now you add emery and his real tight-knit circle into the into the proceedings as well coupled with the fact that villa uh Villa are secretive anyway. It's almost harder than ever. Arguably, the, the hardest club in the country to you know to get anything concrete out of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You you know you might have the phone numbers of the relevant people, um, but yeah. these are high end operators and they're busy. So um, getting um, information back out from them is you know it's difficult. But also, um, I'm I'm pretty lucky in where I work compared to if you're working at somewhere else. Is that because we're quite a fairly big company across different countries. We've got Spanish-speaking people. We've got Spanish people that work in La Liga, um, covering them. You know, who might know um, a player from there, a manager from over there. So we can we can rely on different people. But yeah, from compared to covering Southampton, I'm I'm relying on more people to help um, and to help find and second source things than I ever have done before. I think the Southampton, if I saw a story, second sourcing would be quite easy. But this is a completely different situation but I, I think it's fantastic and it really excites me when I don't hear about something and it all of a sudden comes out then it makes my day because I'm thinking right let's find out what's happening let me write a piece on when he gets announced things like that so yeah, it's really exciting and hopefully they can surprise me again uh, in the next couple of days yeah you've got the added bonus of David Ornstein working <laughs> where, where you work as well because that guy's phone book is probably the fullest phone book in the country isn't it yeah, it's phenomenal phenomenal reporter yeah, I've worked with him before. Probably the most professional person I've ever worked with in my, in my life. When I, when I was at the Athletic doing a few pods with him, you just I just was just sat there thinking, wow, this, you know, this guy. Not only has he got the contacts, not only is he an excellent writer, the way the way he talks as well. He's got, <laughs> got everything. Has he? Like, he's like unbelievable. Like what what a, what a person to, to to have worked with. And I only did it a, a few times. Really, he in the, in the transfer window is just incredible, and in football in general, really. To be fair. Yeah, he's, and what people don't see is and something I didn't realise is that he's very extremely supportive as well. Um, yeah, nice guy. Yeah, the way you, way you work, obviously, whoever's in your channels or will see that you're working on certain pieces, and you know David will always come in and give offer encouragement, offer advice as well, like a lot of the senior writers, which has been a big benefit for me at covering Slampton and, and then moving to Villa as well. Yeah, look, it's been a, a real learning curve for me over the last few years saying how companies work obviously I spent time w- with the athletic and now at sky as well because when I'm there you're seeing the ju- the journalists and, w- and what they're doing and the people they're speaking to and how hard they work you know people think that things are just plucked from from thin air at times but they're, they're not so much work go, goes into trying to trying to get this scoop and look 
the athletic will get things wrong. Sky will get things wrong. I've got tons of stuff wrong in, in the past, as, as people will well know. But you're sometimes only as good as the information that you're getting. But people work around the clock to try and just get that get that scoop, don't they? It is, a, it is an exciting time. I actually think this January will be really, really quiet yeah. in general. In, in, in the Premier League, there's a few things going on. And I always think it's interesting when something pops up like the other day of Timo Werner from nowhere to, to Spurs. And then it's already pretty pretty far in advance. And no one's really been talking about that at any, any point, have they? By the way, I think that's a that's a good fit. I've got a feeling that's going to work. I've just got something inside me that says that that's going to work under, under Postacoglu, which might not be great for Villa, actually, because we've got to keep Spurs <laughs> away from us. But, you know, Villa had it kind of... I, don't, I can't remember if you were covering Villa at, the, at this point, but... It, Tillemans kind of came from nowhere, but it was virtually done when I think it was David Ornstein that broke that one, actually. I don't think you were covering Villa at that no. time, though, were you? No. No, and, you know, I don't want to have a, have a gripe, but that's why I get a little bit frustrated or a bit perplexed when I see these, you know, guys on Twitter who I don't know who they who they work for, but they will, will buy a, a, a blue tick and they'll, you know, and they've got no background to things. And then they just have to, they put some stories out there that might stick. Most of the time they don't. Um, and from a selfish perspective, you know, I spend probably six hours, seven hours of the day checking out those stories to see if I can verify them. And when it comes to a dead end and it's actually untrue, you think, ah, oh, a uh, waste of time. But, and, you know, so I, I try to look at who's the best uh, source and who's the most reliable uh, for information. And sadly, not a lot of it does come on Twitter. I always think as well, like you're, and Greg, when he was doing it as well, you know, you're at Villa every week you're at Bodymore Heath every week you're speaking to the people that that would that would know what what's going on although people can't always you know reveal stuff they can probably give you an inkling or or send you in the right direction yeah. and stuff so much rubbish gets spouted you know there's something going on at Villa you're probably going to know about it yeah, but also it's just the way that certain people will dress things up so like this is major exclusive about Douglas Louise um being not for sale um, about a month ago and I saw some aggregators tweet and I just oh my word like do we have to really say this like it's not that big a big a deal and but yeah you're it's completely pretty obvious. right yeah though you know the, the villa you know if you're at Bodymore and you're speaking on the ground I'm very privileged to be able to talk to Emery go into you know this great training ground every week is fantastic but even if you do, they can't tell you anything, but you do get a general sense, you do get a general lean of, of where they're going. So, um, you know, for example, it's quite obvious that Villa could do with a goalkeeper, and if not this month, January, then they could do it in the summer. Same with the right back. Um, so we'll have to see how both of them materialise as well. So back to we've gone on a bit of ended up doing a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a story about how the how, how the transfer window works for journalists, which wasn't really my 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 intention. But let you say you know, say about a right back and a goalkeeper. Do you think if the right player came up now for for those positions, do you think Villa would do it in in January? Yeah, I think they I think they would. Do, do, do you think they'd overpay to do it? No, I don't think no. they would. But what you have to contend with is if the right player comes up, someone that's on the list that Monchi, Emery, uh, the scout and recruitment love, and they probably they would do it, I imagine, because they would just take out the money from the summer's budget and they'll put it into this because, you know, if the right player comes available, he does. You know, Alex Moreno was a great opportunity last year. I think the benefit was that he wasn't too expensive. But if they, they wanted someone, if Emery wanted someone like Moreno, who was probably £15 million more, I think they'd do it and they just have to take um, that money out of the summer budget. Yeah, like I said earlier, I asked for loads of questions. So, of course, it's January. There's going to be a ton of of transfer questions. There was a lot about Duran that, that we've already covered. We're kind, of, we're kind of saying, and, you know, David Ornstein, I think I said this today, actually, that there's no expected inbound activity. For, for for Villa, but people are asking about individual players. So like Dybala, for example, is one that's been that's been floating around since the summer because we know about this low release clause that, mm. that, that he has now. Telling me Villa could get Dybala for for twelve million euros. I've got to say, I would I'll be all for that. He's the the top assistant in in Serie A. Obviously, he will have a friendship with with Emi Martinez as well. But like we're saying, there's nothing expected. There's probably nothing in that. No, it's just, they, they were linked to this type of player for a while, weren't they? Jao Felix, Dabala. You know what? From yeah. what I heard, I can say I can say it now because he's he's gone to gone to Barcelona. But if Villa could have got Felix, they they would have done it. Mm. But they couldn't because he wanted to go to Barcelona. Yeah, and uh, any of those type of players who are you know got European pedigree, who are quite well known, you know they do fit the criteria because Monchi scouts he talks in those that's what those he circles. does as well isn't he yeah he moves in those circles as well you marcus acuna you know player that villa would have loved in in the summer um if the opportunity is there next in the in the summer this this coming summer and he's fit he's available Mark, luca dean um you know 
mate might leave, then they, they might do that. But he comes from Sevilla. Monchi knows him. Clement Longley as well. You know, Monchi signed him for Sevilla as well. So those type of players and those type of high profile or fairly high profile, well travelled Europeans um, can't rule Villa out from getting them. Yeah, there's a few questions around Chris Heck and the, the crest. I've not really covered it. I've done a few tweets recently, been a bit more vocal about what I think of, of certain decisions. But John M said, any news on the crest and if they're taking the fan backlash into account or just continuing? doesn't bother me either way, but it seems to be a lot of backlash and unfair not to listen to it when, when, they, when they've said they have. Now, I've got my own opinions on, on stuff like this. I've been part of the consultation group in the in the past i'm not anymore being brutally honest i never found it useful i didn't think that one with the exception of uh my old man says i didn't really feel like anyone ever asked i include myself in this in this by the way i was very inexperienced at the, at the time wasn't probably as confident to do it as i would be if i was part of it now but i felt like david michaels of, of my old man said was the, the only person that ever really stood up to, to the club with things at, at that time and everyone else kind of sat there quite quietly that may have changed now but that was my experience of, of when I was there and like I say I I include myself in, in in that criticism my other thing is is that just it kind of always felt to me like decisions are made that decision isn't going to change it's then passed to that those groups to then filter the information out but that's I don't think that's how it should work I feel like there should be consultation and I've got to be honest the, the crest stuff I thought that what Villa's process last year was a, was a load of rubbish with, with the crest. It was always going to be the circular badge. And I, you know, I've heard certain things about the company that, that was used to create that crest being the same company that created the crest by the person that was there at a, at, a, at, a, at a different club when they changed the crest, which I didn't really like. I don't know how true that is, but I've, I definitely heard that, that story. And now this consultation again with the crest, Hex obviously come in. He's decided he's not a fan. Of, of the crest, and I actually, I, I, you know, I put my cards on the table. I sent him a message when he did that, saying that I completely agreed with it. Take stock, take time, look at it. It then now feels like they've just gone and done the same thing again, not really consulted with anyone, already chose the crest, come come out with it. And if it's the one I've seen, I don't like it, which is my opinion. There might be people that, that do like it. But I just feel they're not getting this kind of thing right at the moment mm. off the pitch. No, and I, it's one of those, it's a real fractured issue because, you know, from my perspective, everything's going fantastic on the pitch, but yep. in the backdrop, it's always I've been these off-the-field matters that I've been you know, increasingly aware of since, since I've started. I think, you know, the club crest is, is, a, is a big part, but it's part of a broader um, array of off-the-field matters. You know, I've been for months trying to push through this, this piece on, on uh, the Villa Trust and the ticket prices and the lower grounds and things like that. And, you know, it's been difficult because of the politics at stake. And I'm hoping that after five months of, of getting through and lobbying and, and talking and, and having complaints thrown at me that we can eventually get it through. Um, the piece on the club crest will come this week, which I'm, I'm glad we'll definitely do. Um it's a it's a frustrating issue, and it's something that I'm not surprised about. It's it's a, I, I always assumed on the low that they would just push through their own idea. Um, the way they did it, I think, in that meeting as well. Although they, you know, you, you could say the people there haven't always asked the best questions. I think they're really important because they bring this issue to light, um, and they're there to to relay it. So the fact that they were there, Chris Heck was there, and he did this video trailer kind of unveiling a badge. He kind of shot himself in the foot because they're like, hold on. You've done all this. You've put this, you know, fireworks, lovely, lovely montage, but we've not actually deciding on on the on the crest. Um, and I think they're trying to backtrack. And there's a few issues going on. The FA are going to get involved now because Good. they want to make sure that there's um, being a consultation with the fans group, which is you know a rule that came out a few seasons ago. Um, but I just think it's a very messy way to do it. And there's a few things where I think Villa top class operation in terms of the football side. There's still a few a long way to go in terms of um, off the field, but to, in fairness to, to Chris Heck, he only came in in May. Um, he spent the first six months surveying the scenes. He wants to make changes, but I think for him as well, it's probably a learning curve in how he, the process he go through to make these changes. It's not the same as it, what is in America. Yeah, look, I wasn't in the meeting as as, as I've just stated, but I did read that the my old man said piece about coming out of the meeting and all the stuff about the question. There was a term in there where they kind of he kind of said that someone said i can't remember if it said who it was or not leave it to the professionals no that's not that's not the attitude at no. all i've got to say i'm very very unimpressed with, with a lot of things with villa off, off the pitch at the moment 
yeah, that, that that is the badge. The badge that's, badge that's been leaked is is the badge that it will be. Um, you know, and the fact that they're so far down the line with it without it's going to happen, badge. isn't it? I th- but also, I think it just sends the wrong message. The same with ticket prices. It's the same with the Carabao Cup game when they charge thirty pound for it. Same with not telling the fans about the whole end, the changes to the whole end. It does feel like fans are being overlooked and. I think I've been pretty careful in, in how I say this because I don't want to just come across as you know a guy from the south coming in and saying you know how bad negative these things are when things are going so well on the pitch. But at the same time, these are you know real pertinent issues for for match going fans. Um, Villa Park redevelopment. You can have your opinion on on whether to push ahead with that or hold it and allow Emery to have more money in the transfer window. Um, but these type of issues, the ticket prices were um, just feels like the sense of then fans aren't always coming first and, and that's a real issue and that's something that needs to be pushed back on. I get like I completely agree with with what you're saying. Villa are so good on the pitch matters are perfect. Like I have yeah. zero complaints. But what that doesn't mean that people should get away with, with with stuff off the pitch and you know there'll be people that say, Oh, what are you moaning for? We yeah. you know we're we're second in the league. But people should be held held accountable for, for things if they're wrong. And I think that if Villa weren't doing well at the moment you'd be seeing so many people. I mean, people are kicking off anyway, in fairness, but Villa, they're getting away with it a little bit because things are so good on the, on the pitch at the moment. I went into the, I can't remember what it's called now, the Terrace View for a game, just to, you know, just to see, just to see what it's like. I've never been in there before. I've not commented on the Terrace View or the lower grounds because I haven't, haven't been there myself, so it's not for me to comment on. I went into the Terrace View and I can completely understand why fans have used that as a vehicle to get a season ticket. I'm not knocking those people at all because if I didn't have a season ticket, I would be doing exactly the same thing. But the overall ex- experience in there for what pe- people are paying, people are paying to have the facilities that they should have as a, as a normal match-going fan. I don't understand what was in there that was that was so, so special that people are pa- pay, paying more for. It's just a normal concourse, but you can get served with a reasonable amount of time. You mm. can't get that in the whole end. I sit in the whole end, and I, you know, I've got mates that sit in the north end, and they've come to the whole end with me, and they tell me that the north end's far worse than, than the whole end. I almost feel at the moment like Villa are trying to run before they can walk. You've got to get the basics right before you start doing all these grand fancy plans. And I haven't haven't seen the lower grounds. I will say I've heard good things about it, and I yeah. will try it out before the end of, end of the season. I didn't think the club's communication with that was brilliant, but you know if it's good, it's good. Terry's view, though, I was very, very unimpressed with. Yeah, it does seem like it's a it's a bottleneck situation because at the one at one hand you've got this fantastic figure in, in Unai Emery, you know, a guy that's dragging Villa up from the ground in terms of how the expectations about playing in Europe, but it got put to me a couple of months ago that what Emery's doing is is dragging everything up, and the rest of the departments are, are flying by the seat of their pants because they're having to. Go, grow as well and to match Emery's expectations to match where Villa want to be they have to increase the revenue they have to do it through different ways now they're not going to do the redevelopment which is an extra 8,000 fans that could be quite profitable could be better in terms of revenue so you think alright what are they going to do now and what, as a result is the terrace view the lower grounds you start to think, are they going to squeeze even more? And there's a point where if they keep squeezing, there's going to be no more juice left um, at the, the current state of Villa Park. Um, and I think that is a, is a big issue. And it's something that I, I do think there needs to be, there will be a breaking point at some point. And it's just whether Chris Heck and, and those responsible for them realise that and they can just slowly find out a different way whilst keeping Villa obviously hugely competitive on the pitch. Yeah, look, I don't want to throw you under the under the bus here, but I know that, that you've met Chris Heck. I've I've never met him, so I can't comment on, on, on what he's like as, as a person. Only say as much as you can. But how did you find that that meeting? Yeah, I, th- I think he he's someone that's coming quite new. He's he's still learning. He took I think it's not a bad thing that he took six months to, to make his first um, public statement. No, you know, I agree on, with on that the, on the media. I think, I think he wants to learn. And there's, in fairness to him, um, you know the the lower grounds, and you know I think. He wasn't responsible for that. It was it was a decision made pre him, um, so it'd be unfair to. to yeah, to pass, I should I should have said that with the terrorist view as well. In fairness, yeah, and you know he's 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 having to do a lot a lot of things. You know, in terms of sorting out Castor, um, the shirt sponsor for next year. I think they've secured a really good deal for next year, um, and you know, these are these are good deals. Um, and ultimately, his success will be judged by those at Villa um, in terms of how much sponsorship. Can he bring in? Can he grow the revenue? Can he um, impress the the owners? You know, Wes Edens especially. Um, 
but I think he's what a, a person that's still adapting and, and he's still having to adapt. And I, I, I think although he's making mistakes now, maybe, and he's made big mistakes, like a lot of them within Villa have in terms of the communication as well, I think it'd probably be safer bet to judge him in, in a year. Yeah, look, uh, this is the most basic comparison I can come up with here. And I said it to you earlier, but before we came on. So Chris Heck has experience in this realm. He has the experience in this realm in sports. You know, I've got experience of, of podcasting and whatnot. If you throw me into an NFL podcast, I don't know enough about it to to, to, to do it. I can say that I'm good at talking and I can talk and I, and I know what I'm doing, but I've got no experience in NFL. And that's how I feel a little bit with, with Chris Heckin, that he's been thrown into this environment or picked to, to go into this environment. And he's got, you know, I'm sure he's done some wonderful things in American sport. I'm sure he's got experience of, of how that works. But the Premier League and a unique club like Aston Villa they are different beasts. You can't come in, and this this is the, the few things I've seen that have, have rubbed me up the wrong way. You can't proclaim to, to to know it all and have an understanding in this short space of time. Villa are a unique club. We've got a unique fan base, a very demanding fan base in a, in a lot in a lot of ways, and with this historical club with with so much heritage, and we as fans have an idea of what things should, should be like. Of course, every fan's going to have diff, different opinions. But you can't come in and make decisions about something like the Villa badge and not consult the fans. That just is not on in any way at all. No, you've, you've got to lean on the fans, especially if when you're coming in, you've got to rely on, on the mood on the ground. You've, you've got to realise what, what, what they want. Um, and the issue for him as well is that he's come in um, and there's a lot of issues. And, you know, he's come into a, a whole new regime that Perslow is was leaving at the time, who was instrumental in you know, pushing for the Witter Station, the stadium redevelopment. All these issues. This is not a simple redevelopment. He then no. had to think, where where's the money going to come from? Because I need to satisfy the owners, but I also need to satisfy Emery. But at the same time, I want to keep. The, I have to try and keep the fans happy. Ultimately, as it turned out, that he's probably not doing that very well at the moment. But there's a lot of issues that he's, he's having to deal with. Um, uh, but, and that's why you need to lean on the fans that, for, to make these core decisions, to keep them on side and to mainly pay politics in a way to keep by a little bit more time and a, little, a bit more patience too. Yeah, I've watched this club get things wrong off the pitch over the last five, ten years, as long as, long as I've been kind of doing this kind of things and get a lot of things wrong that could have been rectified if they'd spoken to the, to, to the right people. And I just think yeah. sometimes that, that's where Villa really let, let themselves down. And you can't, you, I can't even remember what it's called now. It was called the F, FCG. Isn't, it's not called that the Phantom Consultation Group because it's called the Fab now, yeah. isn't it? Use the Fab better. Those people love Aston Villa. They, they're not going to have all the answers. They're not going to get everything right that can point you in the right direction and stop you making mistakes, which is this for Crest, new Crest thing. It just feels like Villa are wrong, the complete wrong path with it. And they're going to make another mistake. It already feels like we've got about 5,000 badges at the moment dotted, dotted, dotted around the ground. It's just a bizarre situation and something that something that needs sorted. Do you know what? For the piece that's going out on I think my intro has um, been, you go into the press conference and you see Unai Emery wearing one badge. You see There's the, too many badges. You see the one behind him, uh, the, ad, the sponsorship advertising, there's another badge there. And then there's, an, I think there's a separate one, the older one, like it's on a table. You think, <laughs> oh my word. I actually had to Google, how many times have they changed a the badge in the last five years, six years? I, I couldn't keep up. Too many badges knocking around. It used to be this this man. I think he, he sadly passed a few, a few years ago. I can't remember his actual name. But he was the he was the badge man, and he used to have a waistcoat just full of, of Villa badges. He'd be struggling <laughs> at, the, at the moment to fit all Villa's badges on his on his waistcoat, honestly, because just, I don't get it. Like I said, I agreed with the fact he took stock of of this, but not for the sake of this new badge that I've seen. And if it's the one I've seen, I'm just what are they doing? I don't I, what it is. Yeah, I, I just don't understand what 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 they're doing at all. Just quickly, you you touched on it briefly about the about Castor and the fact the Villa will be changing changing kit sponsors next season. Me and you know who it is. We can't say who it is, but it's it's one to be excited about, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and you know I think it's a meant source of satisfaction as well that they've managed to do that and. Although the problems haven't been solved for Castore in terms of the short term, in terms of the wet look, um, you know they're managing to get out of the partnership and they're managing to get a, a really good uh, partnership with a, with a new big sports brand that's going to um, hopefully help finance a lot more things and increase the revenue, which is Chris Hex's remit too. So I think there's you know a few good things going on there, and also uh, I do believe that shirts and stuff will be a lot cheaper or marginally cheaper than they were uh, this time you know, in the summer as well so that's probably something that's a plus point for, for Villa and Chris Heck Yeah I know someone that's that's seen the kits as well and apparently they're un- unbelievable 
really, really good. Apparently, the badge isn't great. <laughs> yeah, look, it, it, it is what it is. But you know, this this is an exciting brand to, to be involved in. I'm looking forward to when the club do, do announce. It. I'm not sure when they'll be able to, to do that. But yeah, it's a re- that's going to be one that the fans will absolutely love when, when Villa fans find out who, who that is. We've done a 42 minute podcast so far, Jacob. We haven't actually talked about the game. <laughs> the so we better rectify that that quite quickly. Villa got to the fourth round of the FA Cup for the first time in 1,200 years at the. At the weekend they left it lighter deflected Matty Cash effort my main takeaway from that game was that thank god we didn't get a replay (laughs) that was the last thing that we needed at the moment Middlesbrough set up well didn't I I think they flooded the the midfield a a little bit of a low block but I actually thought the flooding of the midfield was what stopped stopped Villa playing but as Villa have done quite often recently in fact they left it late but they got the job done and that is what good teams do yeah, can I can I be quite rude and say it was a bit of a stinker? I, I thought I thought it's just a first half of, was so boring. Yeah, I was just one of those games. Where I'm quite engrossed in these games. Some I, I did admit that my mind was drifting a little bit. I was thinking, oh, you were at the game as well. Yeah, I was falling asleep on the surface. The only good thing was there was there's an old gentleman next to me who was um uh he was a fan. He was getting so angry at the referee. He's coming over and he's banging my desk. I don't I don't know if he realised I was there, but and everything was shaking. I was just I'm, to be fair, towards the end of the first time, I just spent most of the time looking at him. To be fair. Was he a Borough fan or a Villa? Yeah, Borough Bar- Bar- fan. He was fuel- oh, I thought yeah, the was all, I thought the was all <laughs> Villa, I've got to say. I know. And I did say to him, because I I got a monitor near me, I said, come and have a look at this. Maybe I think you're a bit lucky in certain situations. And he did calm down after that, but definite penalty. Yeah, exactly. I showed him the penalty. Unbelievable. Um, VAR. <laughs> yeah, you do miss it, don't you? Yeah, I um, didn't like it. I've been there. No, I, you know, it was in a way a low block, but it's it's one of those blocks where it wasn't as deep. It was, there was a short vertical distance between the deeper centre back and the striker. But what Middlesbrough have done it, and you have to notice it was Burnley, Sheffield United, Zrinski. Is that because Villa are so centric in terms of the, the box midfield, the two number 10s drifting in? What they're doing now, these teams are just blocking the passing lanes. Um, the, the strikers aren't pressing the centre-backs because Emery, that's how Emery wants to play through the thirds initially. All they're doing is basically blocking the pass into double pivots and then in turn blocking the pass into John McGinn or, and you know Jacob Ramsey if he drifts inside. And then you've just got to go on the outside. You've got to, and they're just showing Matty Cash or and the other left back, you know, um, Alex Moreno, um, and they're just showing them the play. And then you might get a little bit lost, and you can't go back inside because all the all Villa's bodies are in there, but they're getting they're, they're getting crowded out. Um, so I asked Emery about that afterwards, and he said that's the next stage of that Villa's development. They've got to be better in there. Um, and I'm sure having key personnel like Torres, Tillemans, Brendia will eventually help with that. Again, I haven't got my phone in front of me now, but people are asking about Wendell and uh, Mings. Do you, uh, I'm not expecting to see either this season, realistically. No, no, no. It's, it's good that they're giving updates. You know, Tyler Mings has done a lot of good work um, yeah. in terms of updating fans, um, but I, I see it's highly, highly unlikely that they'll feature at all uh, this season. Did you get to speak to anyone after the game, play, player-wise? In the mix zone or uh, I was in the press conference because I'm... Annoyingly, because Emery, it does take a while to come out for his press conferences, more than any other manager I've ever seen. Uh, he likes to have a debrief, he likes to calm down. Um, I, I decided to wait for him this time. Uh, meanwhile, one, another reporter went down to the, to the mix zone. Um, uh, I've been stung a few times waiting for players in the mix zone and n- none of them showing up. And, and then in okay. turn, missing out, on, missing out on Unai Emery. So I thought, let, let me speak to Emery and let me get this piece um, filed before the long drive home. I wanted to know about Cashy celebration. Yeah, well, I you know, funny you should say that. Um, but Matt Mayer, um, I, who went down to the mix, I did say, "Can you ask about? Uh, can you ask Matty Cash about his celebration?" And apparently, if you want to believe this, it was, had nothing to do with anything. It was just uh, randomly, randomly put his fingers to his ears. <laughs> I like to say he um, he's been getting a, a bit of criticism. Online, obviously, a lot of people are saying Villa need a right back. Some people, when they do that, won't say Villa need competition for place to top standard right back. Some, a lot of people will tweet Matty Cash isn't good enough, which I completely disagree dis- disagree with. But you know, I'm not buying that story. I know his family listen to a lot of the podcast and see what goes on on social media and stuff. Yeah, I feel it was directed. I'm not Matty Cash, so I could be completely making this up. But it feels like it was could have been directed at that to, to the you put your finger in your head for no reason. Remind- He's never done that before. No, remind me for that. When Harry Maguire scored it, it was at Albania or something, and he put his fingers to his ears. So yeah, was, okay, yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah. It's obviously a point of, point of reason behind that. But yeah, it's important when we report that Villa want another right back, it's not just to get rid of Matty Cash, it's just to provide competition. If you get rid of Matty Cash, you, you don't want every concert playing 30 games there because it takes away strengths that's in the back. Also, you lose a bit of attacking guile as well. So, you know, a guy for Matty Cash, he stands on the edge of the box a lot, doesn't he, from all these set plays. So it's about time that he got one and, and one. 
as a player that struggled with with Emery a little bit when he when he first came in, and you know he's got it. He's kind of sorry, I was put off by something flashing up on my my screen. And also, my light seemed to. There's an episode of Stranger Things during this podcast. It, <laughs> it flickering. I'm not sure why that keeps happening, but you know he he actually went into detail talking about the set pieces, and he said himself in his interview that he was hanging around the edge of the box quite a lot. So it was nice to see one go in. But Villa set pieces, you know, we, Greg and myself waxed lyrical about Austin McPhee probably six weeks or so ago now. Villa set pieces. Villa are now getting a lot of goals off set pieces and breakdowns of set pieces, aren't they? Yeah, and also uh, underlying the importance now when Villa have started to tire a little bit, when mm. maybe the invention of fluidity has just gone out of play and they're having to just grind out games. This is where set pieces are fantastic, and they're you know every time there's a set piece, it feels like it's a bit more theatre now. You know, Austin McPhee comes out of the dugout. He loves you it. Know, he loves it. You know, he's looking at the iPad. He's looking at certain things. You know, the players are looking at him for what the triggers, and then. I think, right, what's Douglas Ruiz done? He put his hand behind his back. What does that mean? I'm trying to look in the box. It's, it's quite, there's a lot of theatre going on, a lot of cinema going on, and I, and I, and I, I like it. And there's, I think the delivery as well has been really impressive as well recently. Uh, and not many hit the first man. Yeah, I find set piece stuff absolutely fascinating. The most. I'm really interested in the villa side of things, and I've done a lot of reading about it and looked into things and spoke to people. And as I say, I absolutely couldn't love Austin McPhee anymore. But you know, I watched the Arsenal game, or the highlights of the Arsenal game earlier, and they did a lovely little little routine the, the little short one to, to Erdegaard and then it was it was crossed in they should have scored off it really but now they can't do that again they've, they've, got, they've done it once they've got two set play coaches haven't they Austin obviously leads it but they've got another one that helps them with, with the data and things it's yeah the staff is growing awful. by the week with Villa who's growing <laughs> yeah. in a bad way under Steven Gerrard because he kept having <laughs> his mates to the, co- the coaching staff but yeah Villa's coaching staff is now and data teams and whatnot you know it's a, it's a massive operation I have my five <laughs> It is it's crazy. And you, they've got full back individual coaches, you know, guys that work with Ollie Watkins after training. It's every detail's covered. And although Emery, you know, and is irritatingly doesn't like to mention it too much, um, it is a big operation and he's got a lot of his confidence there, which can only be a good thing, strength in numbers. Yeah, right then, let's call it a day. We've done, done an hour now, I think. Uh, Jacob, thank you ever so much for joining me and, and covering your athletic colleague, Greg Evans. I always love having you on. You've been on loads anyway, but it was good to do like a full full-on hour with you t- today and discuss a, a wide range of topics because we've got, we've gone through a lot there and hopefully the Villa fans have enjoyed it. So any anything you want to say b- before we go? You got anything coming up? I'll, just, I'll be looking out for that Club Crest so <laughs> in the middle of the week, that's for sure. Um, Club Crest, I, got, I saw one of the questions about FFP. This, is, this has been on the agenda for a long time, but we've decided to wait until January because when it, the issue became, or the topic becomes pertinent, yeah. and, and that will be out as well in the, in the coming week to 10 days, I want to say. So, yeah. Cool. Looking for looking forward to it, and yeah, I'm myself. If people are interested, there might be three or four people that are interested in in what I'm doing this week at Sky. A couple of times Tuesday, Friday, and Wednesday, I'm doing another hour hosting at Talksport too. So I'll try and shoehorn as much Villa stuff into those shows as I possibly can for those that are that are interested. Yeah, as I say, Jacob, really loved talking to you. Thank you to Luke for sponsoring us. Hope everyone who listens and watches had a brilliant New Year and a, and a brilliant Christmas. We did take a, a little bit of a break that we, that we didn't really announce. I think things get a bit busy around Christmas, family life and whatnot. So just decided to have a little break, but all back to normal now the schedule will be as it normally is with all the Villa content on this channel. So apologies for the little break, but yeah, come back, refresh and it'll all start as normal this week. Take care of yourselves and as always, up the Villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.